You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we're going to scratch like three different itches at the same time. I think this is the first time we've done anything like that. So for starters, this is episode 60, which we're going to we're going to call it a season finale, not because there's some big change to the show or anything coming, but because we want to take a few weeks off. And 60 is a nice rounded number to end with before you take a break. This is also going to serve as our 4th of July episode, even though it's coming out on the 5th of July, because there's a mild patriotic connection here with the album that we're going to be talking about in title. And we'll get into some of the ways that that title actually kind of caused trouble for them for that reason. And then third and most importantly, we are scratching the itch to meet our kindred podcast, I think. <laughs> our doppelgangers. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we've got the guys from Patio Slave with us. So I want to throw, I've told this to Dan and KC, but I want you guys, I want to, I want to start something here and you'll probably see where I'm going very quickly. Have you guys seen the movie Shaun of the Dead? Yes. It's been a while, but yes. There's a scene in Shaun of the Dead where the main characters are are trying to make it out of town to the to this bar or whatever. And they're going cutting through somebody's backyard and they run across a group of people who are exactly them. <laughs> and they just walk past each other and each person like sees their doppelganger and just like nods to him and they keep on going. And it's a whole nother group of people doing the same thing. And <laughs> And that's what I think of when I think of the itch and patio slave. <laughs> is, I love that. Yeah, I got to go rewatch that scene. I know exactly what you're talking about. Go watch that and now you'll think of us. Now, to be clear, I'll, I'll, I want you guys to introduce yourselves a little more too. But to be clear, the more I've listened to your shows and the more we've made our own, we are actually different and actually pretty complimentary more than anything else. But there's still a part of me that's like, there's so many similarities. We started about the same time. We have the same number of guys, similar taste in music, um, similar background, because I know you guys have a, a college radio background as well. I listened to a whole episode about being the college music director, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I re- resonate with half of these experiences, at least, that he was discussing. <laughs> but uh, whereas our show tends to focus more on album reviews and interview and artist interviews and a little bit of kind of games here and there. Patio Slave tends to do focus a little more on like recent, like current event kind of news commentary. And you guys interviews I found often are not just artists, but like industry people and, and other elements of music, which is really cool. And so I think that that our shows are, are similar, but they're different in a way that I think is very complementary to each other. So that's pretty cool. So we're happy to have you guys on. And now I'll let you introduce your own selves. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm Anthony. What's happening, guys? Howdy. Hello. What's up? I'm Nate. Nice to meet you guys. And I'm Tony, and I won't be as shy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> I agree with you, Aaron. And I mean, I think a lot of that agreement comes from, I think both of us are on our Twitter accounts, and we've been back and forth on Twitter for so long now. Yeah. yeah Just right. kind of, you know, big up in each other and liking stuff and seeing what the other's doing and being like, oh, man, that's cool. That's something that I hadn't thought of and vice versa. So. Uh, I, I agree with your sentiment and I agree with your Shaun of the Dead comparison. That's a great one. That's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> We're happy to have you guys here. And, and we've actually been talking about it for a long time. This isn't even the first idea we had to right. do a show together, but right. it was the one that we finally decided, let's actually make this work instead of just talking about it. <laughs> because I would always have an idea or like send something over like, hey, you guys interested in this? And then 
I would get distracted with other ideas and like not follow up very well. But finally, we we're like, we're doing this Jimmy World episode. This is the perfect time to like, like if you guys are fans, this is the time for us to to combine forces and see oh, yeah. if we can handle a podcast that features six people in the same episode. <laughs> I know this is new territory for us. We've done five, yeah, but five six. Was... Yeah, this is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. our max was five as well. Yeah. And so we're, we're breaking new ground. It's going to be a lot of editing involved, but I think I think it'll be fun. <laughs> Don't edit too much, man. Let it flow. We'll, we'll, we'll let most of it flow as long as I we're not it. overmodulating, you know, it's this. Right. But <laughs> so we've got an album on our hands and and a band. And that band is Jimmy World. The album is Bleed American. It's celebrating 20 years of that album this year. And um, I don't know about any of you guys, including Dan and Casey, but that album is one of the 30 or so albums that I deemed worthy of owning on vinyl. And it's <laughs> one that I have just a lot of history and affection for dating all the way back to its release, except for the middle. I'm, I'm perfectly happy to say that I could not hear the middle again ever and be fine. <laughs> well, that, that it, the overexposure it, is real. To be fair, if you're from St. Louis, the middle was worn the hell out by some radio show here. They actually had a contest where they like where they would have people call in and be like, oh, like try to was it like make Donnie laugh or something where you had to like do the oh, 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 oh. and like they literally (laughs) would just do that for probably about two minutes. And that that was all like it's just that stupid sound. It was Woody and the Whipping Boy. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah. It was the Whipping Boy that kept doing that. And it's just oh, cringeworthy. Like I actually liked that song and then they just killed it in St. Louis. Like they just destroyed it in St. Louis. I still don't hate it. Like it's still it's still a sweet little song, but I don't need to hear it. I've heard it enough that it's 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 seared into the brain. Also, we got Dan's knock on St. Louis radio out of the way real early in this episode. <laughs> Usually it comes somewhere in the episode, not always in the first few minutes. Drink. If you had it in the first 10 minutes, drink. Yeah, drink. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I can't guarantee it's going to be the only time. Yeah, I can probably so, make up a pretty uh, good game of drinking yeah, uh, based on bingo, our podcast. That's a great idea. We're going to do some Danisms and (laughs) make a drinking game out of the show. (laughs) And sell that separately to follow along with the new episodes. Yeah. (laughs) On Patreon, right? Uh, Dan's prepared with a, what do you say, Dr. Pepper or something over there? He's got a Dr. Pepper. So, you know, we're set. That song was worn out in Maine, too, uh, growing up for us. I mean, it was worn out everywhere, right? It was it was number one. So I'm yeah. sure it was played on every different type of station that you could imagine because of how big the song was. So, I, yeah. But again, I, I'm with you. I love it. It's probably one I would skip in listening to it unless I was throwing it on vinyl, like like you said, Aaron. But uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's still a great song. It's just a song that was we've all heard enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting the company that that song put them in. Like they got lumped in with Sugar Cult, Atari's, Midtown, that scene because of that song. Cuz if you take that song out of the that mix, they're not in that. No. Right. They're not as closely tied with them. Can I ask you cuz we've been actually discussing this me and my wife have been what would you classify Jimmy World as? Because I don't really consider them punk. I don't really consider them. I mean, I, I don't know where I, I just kind of lean more towards, towards alternative. But what would you guys consider them? Depends on the era. Yeah. But I would say now. Alt rock. Right. I yeah. mean, yeah. just a rock mm-hmm. band. They've kind of lost that, you know, Midwest emo thing from the 90s. Yeah, I agree. I think that that this was the album where they kind of made that transition to start anyway, because I think with clarity and 
and static prevails you would you would, they definitely were at least limped in with that emo kind of thing and then like you said you had like the ataris kind of stuff where it was i don't that's not pop punk but it's like adjacent to it or maybe it is i don't know but uh you had here and then on out you go to the next album futures and there there was you know fairly heavy guitar going on in that one yeah so they had really moved into being an alt rock or or maybe you could call them like a, a like a power pop kind of yeah kind of band where it was rock but it definitely was big on being hooky and catchy huge yeah. hooks yeah yep. yeah huge hooks that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say power pop because it has like the sing-along songs and just like mm-hmm. the really catchy riffs it's like beatles-esque you know what i mean like these songs will you'll remember yeah. forever so right. kind of in like the weezer realm too kind of mm-hmm. classic timeless music i think that's i think that's a fair assessment and like i said i think that this album is definitely the one where they they launched that particularly um some people and there's another weezer similarity if you if you start at clarity um i think most people would argue that either clarity or bleed american are their best albums you can you you if you if you ignore static prevails and then their self-titled before which they even more or less ignore the self-titled one before <laughs> there's there's always that there's these two early album early career albums and one or the other is your preferred is your preferred one this one's it for me see i'm i'm in the minority then it's futures for me it's it's i i just love futures i i listened to it i wore it out it hit me at a time that i i, I was what did they come on 04 04 05 04 so I'm at college, but I didn't leave to go to college. I stayed home, and a lot of my friends left. So it's me, music, and like a handful of friends kicking around. And that, that was one of those albums that just constantly got spawned. Nothing has gotten old on that record for me. I think I remember also in college, I love Futures because during my high school and then college era was still the time where like any band that I liked, I wanted to hear them get heavier that made me so happy. And futures was that it was like a step up a notch. Um, Cause like that, like the futures, the song itself, like that is such a nice big, like lick they got going on. And uh, I, I don't remember the exact context, but I remember um, people that I knew in college, like basically saying that futures was kind of where they fell, like lost credibility. And I disagreed <laughs> with that strongly, Yeah, but there was some people that kind of felt that way, I guess. I guess to them, you know, they're purists is where like clarity is the is the pure one. And then lead American maybe is your your transition. And then after that, they were purely like a radio band or whatever you want to call them, Um, Mm -hmm. which as radio people, we don't really hate stuff just because it's radio friendly. (laughs) That is perfectly fine for for us in most cases. And so I I love futures as well. Bleed American is still my favorite, but futures was my most listened to for a good long while. I don't know. I would say that they were a radio band maybe for bleed american and futures but i think after that like they, don't, they didn't really have too many radio singles i mean one here or there off maybe each album but i mean not not like they did off of bleed american and futures there's no doubt i think there's a difference between having songs that are radio accessible and those songs actually be taking off and being hits right because if you listen to i know dan you mentioned before that i think futures was about the last album that you really cared about too much but if you go to just the, even the next one, like Chase This Light is pos- to me, probably their catchiest album. And they did have a couple of radio songs on there, but I was surprised that they didn't have more because I just thought it was that that catchy. So but I can I digress on on Chase This Light. Well, are we tangenting? I think we're tangenting. We're tangenting all the way down their discography right off yeah, the bat. Right off the bat. We're like, <laughs> let's talk about Bleed American. No, let's just go through them one by one. Surviving. <laughs> 
<laughs> all the way to surviving <laughs> which even in 2019 like that was still a solid album i mean i love that record yeah <laughs> I, I don't think that there's woke well, oh man, I don't know if I want to go into this right now. Save, save it. I'll throw it out here and maybe we'll maybe we'll follow it. There's only one album post clarity where I started paying attention that I just can do without largely. Only one. Everything else, I'm like, I will still listen to this any day and be happy with it. It's damage. Yeah. It's damage. <laughs> <laughs> save for all of us. Damage doesn't even have good cover art. It just it looks shoddy. Everything about it is just <laughs> There's like a couple songs on there that I'm that I appreciate, but I'm like, man, I wish you were thrown on a different album somewhere and so I could ignore the rest of this. Um, I don't know why that one just bombs so hard to apparently not just me, but something about it just not weird. It just, it just didn't work. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but nonetheless, we're here to celebrate a good album. Lead American. Yeah. Right? Lead, 20, Lead American. 20 years next month. Well, yes. You know, one thing I want to say that's quite impressive about this band is since this album's come out, they've well, actually two years before they've had the same lineup for 22 years. It's yeah. crazy. That's incredible. Right. Especially nowadays. Like people can't even get along for, for two fucking years. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Danny, when we trying to say something, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like when we're looking up, uh, uh, musicians to come on our podcast and we're looking up the band and you look at the roster changes it's like right. was that dude even there for an album like what? yeah right <laughs> just hang out with the band yeah there was right. legitimately a band i was looking into to to try to get an interview from and i was like okay i actually want to talk to this specific guy because he played on this album he's not even in the band anymore but i don't even care like he's the one that i want because this <laughs> is the album i want to talk about yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. And so it, it is really weird. And so longevity, we've discussed that a number of times before with, with other bands. Long, we're huge suckers for longevity, if you can make that work for that long. And this band's been around since, what was the, the, the early 90s? Yeah, 93. Yeah. 94-ish? Yeah. Was it? And their last ni- their last lineup change was in 99. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, wow. that is incredible. <laughs> so well done to them just to start right there. And yeah. There's a, a precious few bands that can say that they've all been together for 20 years and I, they still have staying power. They obviously aren't reaching commercial highs that bleed American took them to anymore, but they, they're absolutely still like both popular and relevant. Like people like they do stuff and still have a very a strong fan base that they can easily keep making a career out of new music. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think that one of the reasons why they're not as popular is because music's changed since then. Like you, like you guys even named it yourself, you know, the Ataris, those type of bands were very successful or at least widely known at that time. And now it's all about like Taylor Swift and all these other pop stars. That's it's, you know, there's no such thing as like pop rock. It's, it's really gone <laughs> now, you know, there's very few bands I could consider pop rock. Maybe. And are successful too, right? I mean, yeah. They, they don't. Right. There isn't a lot of that kicking around in 2021, which, uh, and they're still doing it, and they're still successful. I think enough to the point where, uh, it's it's viable for them to do it. I mean, their live streams. I don't know if you guys checked out any of the live streams they did. I, I watched the futures one, and it was awesome. And there was some money spent to make that look awesome. So I was pretty pretty stoked with my purchase because it was just. <laughs> I'm stuck at home. I got nothing else to do. I'm going to watch them play one of my favorite albums in its entirety and, and like, give me a yep. show. All right, cool. I, oh man, I saw them a few years ago and they, they definitely still put on a, a really good show. I think they're definitely one of those bands that does a, does a pretty solid job of sounding true to their album recordings. At least when I saw them, they did. Yeah. You and I actually saw them at the pageant, uh, 10 plus years ago. 
Was it really 10 years ago? I say a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. I was probably still living in St. Louis, so it might have been most of 10 years ago. <laughs> doesn't feel like that long, though, and I want to see them again badly. But to your point about Dan made, I think, a, a very good point about radio changing. And I mean, that's probably it's kind of one of the things that at least you guys probably can resonate. It's one of the reasons that we like doing both the radio show and this podcast is to continue talking up and celebrating like a genre of music that's no longer going to really be found very often in like top 40 radio at this time. Like, like the middle, the middle was legit, like monster smash hit, like ended 2002 in the billboard hot 100 of, of all music, not just, you know, modern rock or whatever. And that's something you don't really see happen nearly as much anymore, but, but they really, they came around right during that time whenever it was still, I don't know if you'd call it a transition or what, but you could still do that pretty well. Whereas nowadays, a lot of your bigger rock bands are still just having like number ones on the rock charts, not just like the overall, if that, if you follow what I'm saying. Can I say, I, I think it happens to coincide. And I know this is sounds really bad because it was a stupid program at the same time, but I know I love all, of us, all of us watched <laughs> it. I think it happened to coincide with the downfall of TRL total request live. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm serious. Because, I mean, just think about all those bands that were popular around that time. It was because all those 14-year-old girls were calling in and requesting their videos on TRL. And then, like, once that show, or at least once the Carson Daly left that show, pop rock kind of, or pop punk or whatever, just faded away. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a valid point. We have talked before about how crazy it was that there was a period in time when Britney Spears and P.O.D. were, like, back-to-back. And Deftones. Yeah. yeah. Corn was in there. Change was on TRL. Deftones and Corn and Limp Bizkit, yep. Backstreet Boys. Yeah, they really, it was all together. And now it seems like there's a bigger, much bigger gap between what you usually call a pop star and a rock star. There's a few people that still manage to pull it off, but not, but it's not as, it's not as widely regarded anymore. But if I remember correctly, like, like whether it was Bleed American or uh, Futures, like they were all over TRL. The middle was, right? Had to have been yeah. the middle. Had to yeah. have been the it middle. Had to have been the middle. Well, I'm sure it was just, I, well, I think it was more because I think uh, Work had a good video too or something that was. Yep. Work was from Futures and that one, that was a fairly big hit too. I don't know TRL or not. I couldn't say either way, but. Is TRL yeah, I don't know if I was watching TRL by 2004. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about that. I don't know if I had given up on it by then. <laughs> <laughs> I was in college, so who knows? That's when I stopped watching was I went, went off to college. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of appointment listening when we were like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, though. Like, right. Oh, yeah. It's three thirty. I'm out of school. And they were smart to put it on. Then everybody's out of school. <laughs> yeah. Right. You like congregate at someone's house and you're like, oh, Britney Spears again, whatever. Insect again, whatever. Like, oh, Limp Bizkit. Cool. All right. Let's watch. Yep. Right. Right. <laughs> Simple plan. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> my mom, my mom had the, the radio speaker, you know, hooked up to the TV. And so when they like blared like the new because I remember them debuting like the new Gorilla Radio from uh, yep. Rage Against the Machine, like yep. I, uh, I, I, Rage I was TV. blasting it for so long. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, this I, I do think that that's one thing that led to the success of this album is that that was just really popular right around that time. I mean, don't get me wrong, the album itself is great. There's a lot of tracks on there, even though I'm not a big Jimmy World fan. There's almost every single song on here is a song I like. I gotta say, it, the Rage Against the Machine love permeated into the itch, guys. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We talk about them every, every episode. They always come up in some every time. Way, wow. before they Drake. always them Deftones. Yeah, exactly. That's how they're. We we get. We just got our Limp Biscuit mention. Right. We, we used to we used to joke about how how is it that this band keeps showing up in what we talk about, and now I think we've kind of just embraced it and just been like, there it was. <laughs> there was the exactly. Limp Biscuit mention. Yeah. Those house bands. Yeah. 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 Another one 
that we talk about a lot that you guys actually talked about on one of your recent episodes was uh, 21 Pilots. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but as far as these pop bands, like, we've talked a lot about the middle already here, but that wasn't even, I mean, there was there's multiple good singles on this album, and I would not even at the time have said that the middle was my personal favorite one because um, you had Bleed American itself. You had The Sweetness, which is another one that, that I think stands the test of time pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they all do. Yeah. But I think that one still gets a little bit of, of love here and there. You had Praise Chorus, which I, I think is probably my personal favorite of the singles. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot going on there. My favorite song on this album is not even a single. Ooh. Yeah. Deep Cut? <laughs> yeah. Get it, fast, get it faster. Get it faster. Yep. Yes. Nice. Oh, I yep. love that song. Like the guitar lines in it are just amazing. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that Jimmy World always did very well is like their guitars complement each other on a lot of songs. Yeah, so totally. my wife and I listened to it tonight as we were prepping to, to come on with you guys. And uh, we listened to that song and had it going in the living room. And I'm like, this part right here, total 80s hair metal. I love it. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like them paying. I mean, there's a lot of songs on this record that pay homage to stuff that they love. And that's another spot where it, where it happens. And it's on a deep cut and it's an, it's a great song. I mean, there isn't a bad song on here. So that's, that's the yeah. other piece of it. But yeah, that's a cool one. And she's like, you know, I'd like this if it was a little higher in register. I was like, it, it doesn't need to be. That's the reason it's this way <laughs> for a reason. You want it to be kind of dark and have that 80s hair metal-y type theme when you get to it. So it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's that's a great point, and that's something uh, I think. Honestly, that's part of why Praise Chorus is is one of my favorites. You mentioned how they they kind of pay tribute, uh, and there's a there's a great the line in there. He says, you know, sing me something that I know, and then in like the breakdown of it, they go through lyrics from like five or six different other tracks, and I found that to be especially at that age when it came out. I was like, this is the most clever thing I've ever heard a lyricist <laughs> do, yeah. and. And still to this day, I appreciate it so much that they incorporated so many other lines within that. And then one of my other favorites on this album is the Authority song, which is a, a direct reference to a song of the s- same title, a John Mellencamp song. Yeah. And that may be one of the you ever, just songs that just put a smile on your face. Like whenever that initial like guitar and drum beat of the Authority song come on. Like that's a mood changer. I'm like, OK, I am. I'm a happy human being no matter what's happening right now, because <laughs> This is this is just delightful. Well, that, <laughs> prob- so, that probably happened for them when John John Mellencamp's song came on. The same type of feeling. They were just trying to make true. it happen in their way. And and back to a praise chorus. Like you're writing those lyrics. You're you're saying, "Come on, Davey, sing me something that I know." And that's turning into something for us to think. Like, oh man, come yeah. on, Jim, sing me something that I know. Like that's it's true. so. It's you're right. It's super clever. Also, one of those songs that they that they break out in there is a They Might Be Giants song. And so I don't know. Casey, have we talked about They Might Be Giants at all yet on this show? Casey and I used to listen to some They Might Be Giants in college. I but think, I don't think I've, this might be the first time we've been able to name drop them. And it makes sense. I think we've mentioned them. I think have we mentioned them one time because I, I think we talked about violin, the song violin. Mm-hmm. If we didn't, we should have. Let's let's talk about more. They might be giants in future episodes. They need to be. They need to make. They need to be a house band. There you go. They need to get some cameos. There you go. Trademark. <laughs> trademark. That you got to mention Buddy every time. We got to give you guys royalties or something whenever we use the term house band. That's that's a Nate. That's that's a Nateism right there. That's good. I like that because now ever since you mentioned that, I'm trying to think of what ours are. I do think mm-hmm. Deftones is one of them, so we'd have that one in common. Yeah. Just because I mean, who who. Who doesn't like Deftones? Like just like anybody that listens to any type of rock, 
I, I don't know who you are if you would say you don't like that band. Yeah, and you at least know who they are. You know, what's funny is like Disturbed comes up in almost every <laughs> single interview we've done. Yeah. Without even like asking, they and, just always seem to come up in the interview. Yeah, they're like, like we toured and, with Disturbed and it was great. They were such Biscuit. great guys. We're like, okay. Yeah. And Lip Biscuit. Yeah, Lip Biscuit puts on a great and show Lip and Disturbed is, is class guys. <laughs> All right, dude. We didn't even ask a question about that. Why are you volunteering this information? But. <laughs> I was going to ask that question. Thanks for answering. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I had that in my notes here. You toured with Limp Bizkit. Thank you. Let's just—we're just going to start start all future interviews with that. Like, have you have you seen Limp Bizkit or toured with Disturbed? If so, please tell us about it. Great if if not, then we're just going to hang up. Yeah. If the answer is no, the interview's over. <laughs> interview's over. <laughs> all right. So back to this album. So yeah. So one thing I was thinking about is up to this point. Bleed American, the single, was like the heaviest song they'd put out right. at that time. If you exclude the self-titled, which isn't even Jim and it's a punk album. But yeah, it'd be fun to look back to see what other bands broke through on their their heaviest song to that point. And of course, there's heavier stuff in the catalog, but that's so interesting. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. that is the heaviest song on the album and off of Static Prevails in, um, in Clarity as well. Yeah, and especially if even if you're just going by singles, like you think the big single off of Clarity was Lucky Denver Mint, which is is a super charming song, but it's not heavy right. at all. Yeah. And so like that is a, a pretty significant um I guess volume increase that they did for and distortion increase that they did for for Bleed American. Like, oh. These guys got some arena riffs in them. Okay, I see. I wonder when they wrote that riff if they knew it would be used in every movie too. Like it was, I felt like it showed up in everything in 2000, 2001, right? Or 2001, 2000. For sure. Yeah. Van Wilder and all these like, oh, it's, it's the part where something crazy happens. Let's, let's just start this riff. Like right. it's such a, just a badass riff. Everybody knows what it's going to be like this, this works. So I wonder if they knew that when they were writing it. I feel like they made the soundtrack rounds with this album. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I can't pinpoint any albums. Well, you just said Van Wilder would. I think so. I'm just using it as an, as an example, but some stuff yeah. like that. Those like, yeah, yeah, those, yeah. like R-rated Absolutely. comedies that all happened after American Pie. <laughs> yeah, American Pie. <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google this while we're talking about it. <laughs> you know who also gave this band a lot of credit and I think kind of put them in the front front and center was, uh, and it's another house band, uh, Blink-182. They took them on tour. Tom talks, talked about them all the time in the, in this heyday. So I think that probably elevated them as well as like their radio play. And obviously the music's fantastic, but I think it really, you know, gave them a new audience and obviously their tempo is just as fast as the early blink stuff. They were on work to around that time, uh, like yeah. several different years in a row. And I don't really think that they fit warp tour, but I, you know, I, like you said, I'm sure it was just cause they were on tour with other bands like blink. I think they, they, they definitely would have been, a little warp tour fringe but i can understand it and especially if you can get a band that was blowing up as much as they were at the time to i mean you add them to your lineup if you can i feel like for a tour like that yeah um yeah it, it makes sense in in that regard i was just looking up some soundtrack stuff while you guys were talking about that and it is interesting they've they've got a few uh like here you me made a few it showed up in one tree hill <laughs> of course it, it showed up in the butterfly effect the movie <laughs> cinderella story uh, so all of our favorite films, um, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> the middle itself. I'm trying to go back to those dates because it's actually still occasionally shows up in stuff. Yep, like to this day. But it showed up on Smallville, which is almost certainly something I would have 
noticed and loved at the time and Roswell, which was uh, a show that existed at that, those same early years of Smallville. <laughs> and so the CW liked them some Jimmy world. I'm proud of myself. Two songs on Van Wilder, authority song and bleed American. Both wow, on Van wow, Wilder. Good oh, pull. Okay. <laughs> that explains that explains why the Van Wilder was so resonant. Stuck in my I know that this is where this came from. Tone's got an impeccable memory, so I was I would have bet Sometimes. on that. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that comes across in the podcast, but he hasn't forgotten what he's had for breakfast in the last twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> that is impressive. It's a gift and a curse, guys. It's a gift and a curse. <laughs> That's another similarity between the shows is uh, reverting back to previous episodes. And we talked about that on episode 27. Yes, yeah, you got it. You got to promote yourself too, right? <laughs> and I would argue that Casey is our memory guy. Yes. He, Casey remembers concerts and remembers where we saw and heard different things. And so if I can't look it up, then we'll ask him and he's he's got it. Rough and reference. Yeah. I have no short-term memory. It's gone. Fucking, it's no, I got nothing. I, I have to keep everything documented. That's why every time we record, I have like the whole spreadsheet of like all previous episodes and stuff up. God, so I can remember like retentive about it, man. Hey, I gotta be somewhat organized. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I feel like I treat this as if I'm actually getting paid for it. That's the level of concentration that I give the, I, I tr- the planning. I feel like you treat it as if I'm fucking paying you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to pay even me though, to do it. Even though neither of those things are happening. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that means, to be honest. But <laughs> it, it means that you take it way too seriously sometimes. Like, <laughs> Dad's like, I'm... I'm I put my kids to bed. Leave me alone. Yeah, like it's your job. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> you got you got to understand. Like once the pandemic hit, I had to have a creative outlet, and this oh, yeah. became it. And it is stuck. <laughs> and if I could, yeah, like I said, I give this as much. I probably do give this as much um, interest as I, not actually as much work and hours, but at least as much thought and interest as I do my actual job. During work and I during working hours. Don't tell. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Allegedly. Yeah. It doesn't happen. <laughs> well, I text y'all at any hour that I think of stuff. Well, not any hour. Not I don't I don't go too late, but I don't know. Nonetheless, let's stick to the topic here, people. <laughs> I've got an album to discuss. No, but I mean like I, I just the last little point on that. You guys have been friends for a long time, right? I mean that that's mm-hmm. those things are gonna happen. You're gonna have uh, all these stories and all these little things that kind of come up and I mean, it, it, this this being an outlet for your friendship, it's the same for us. Yep. And you guys said that you uh, we could. This is actually a detour I like. Well, so like we, we mentioned, like the show is based in St. Louis. I'm in Chicago now, have been for a while. So Dan and Casey have carried on the radio show on their on their own. I can't really contribute to that from up here. So this was an excuse. It, first, it started with Dan just wanting to talk about music, and then it became my way of like getting back into regular communication with those guys and you guys mentioned Mm -hmm. that you're all from the same place but not currently in the same place anymore right so i don't know how long that's been going on but i could totally understand if that's a very similar situation for you like this is how we you know can keep our bond you know strong does that make sense i'll let you guys verify how true any of that is (laughs) no you're you you nailed it uh these guys both tony and anthony are in maine still and i'm out here in in california and san diego and um the pandemic definitely fast-tracked the podcast. We had talked about it for quite a long time, doing something in the realm of music commentary and just geeking out, really. 
and mm-hmm. uh, the pandemic was a good opportunity. Like, oh, now we actually can't go to shows or yeah. you know do anything somewhat normal. So the podcast was a great, I don't know, hobby, but more just you know we've been talking about this stuff for twenty five years. Let's just make it happen, and it's been a great outlet. We, we kind of feel the same way. I'm like. I- Wait, hold on. I don't know what Dan's thinking right now. I was just going to say, no, it's it's really funny, actually, because it's something that like we took forever to start. But once we got started, I, you know, I wish that we that we would have started sooner. 100 percent. Absolutely. Because yeah. I feel like, well, for one, I felt like in the, you know, the 15 months or whatever that we've been doing this, it's been very successful. And actually, funny enough, more successful than the 16 years of radio that we did. <laughs> and, and like, at least in my opinion, uh. <laughs> On, on Twitter, it has. <laughs> well, just I mean, in general, like, you know, we did 16 years of radio show. I met maybe three artists, but that was usually just running up to him with the phone. Be like, hey, can you give me a liner? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't get to sit there and talk to him and have questions and stuff. And, and so, like, this has just been amazing. But I feel like, you know, if we would have started sooner, uh, you know, not that you never know where life's going to take you. But I just think that we might have been a little bit more successful if we started before everybody and their fucking brother started a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That that is true. So that see Dan, that's my gift to you. If you ever think that I'm that I'm going too hard on the podcast, just remember I booked those interviews and now you got to now you got to talk to a lot of cool people. And so that's that's all your birthday presents for the past. I am not complaining by any means. (laughs) That's why I just go with the flow. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I usually just bitch to my wife about you. (laughs) (laughs) see i'm not married so i don't have anybody to to complain to i just that's right i don't actually have complaints i love doing this show so there's some little insights on 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 making a podcast for our our listeners that's right you get two podcasts together and we'll give you insider independent insider information here's a tip don't don't start one no There's already too many of us. There's no room for you. Go away. Seat is seat is taken. We're no longer accepting applications. Don't record that conversation. Have it, but don't record it. (laughs) In fact, just tweet us. Just tweet us. We'll have the conversation for you. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Send us questions. That's right. We already bought the microphones. Let's just do this. (laughs) That's a very fair point. That was a tangent right there. <laughs> I like it. I, I, because I, 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 now that we mentioned it, I feel like, I feel like, I introduced you guys more than letting you talk about yourselves, and so I like <laughs> that you had a second there to give a little more of your own personal insight too. Feel free to sell yourselves and explain Patio <laughs> Slave as much as you like. Anytime you know you find an in, in here, by all means. <laughs> Hell yeah! But back to the, the subject at hand here. So. Why don't we get the monkey out of the room and, and talk about why they had changed the uh, name of the album? That's yep. where I was going to go. Yep. That's a great right. idea. Let's do yeah, this this album suffered from something a number of of albums uh, and songs suffered from, which was uh, middle aged just... women moms. What? No, no, it was it was it was bigger than that at that time. It was it was a general American nervousness because this album came out in July of two thousand one, and a couple months later. You know, we had this, the September 11th attacks. And after that, like radio in general, um, between labels and radio stations and sometimes the artists themselves, Jimmy World has gone on record as saying that changing the name was actually something that I don't know if they initiated it per se, but it was their ultimately their decision. A lot of things either weren't played. They were banned for a while or because I remember Drowning Pool, like, yeah, you, you yeah. let the bodies hit the floor was a big thing for us in high school. But after those attacks, that is not that that one was out for a while. 
Yeah. And, and bleed American suffered the same fate because after, after the attacks uh, in, in December, they ended up further releases for like seven years. It was just a self-titled album. They took bleed American, the name off of the album cover. They changed the name of the song either. They just started calling it salt, sweat, sugar for a while. Jim Adkins talked about it. He said, the short answer is it was our decision. We, we worked too hard on the material to keep people from ostensibly not being able to listen to it. He says, it's not bleed American is not a portrayal of societal neglect. It's not a, a, we hate the troops or the people who died in the attack had it coming thing. He said, it wasn't subversive like that at all. We just wanted to make sure that people had access to our album so that they could, you know, listen to it objectively. So they just decided that's not a hill worth dying on. Yeah. If, if it's, if our album is going to get shelved, if we, if we keep it like this, so we'll just, we'll make that succession and that's fine. And then more people can be listening to it. He also said that he liked the idea of, uh, of releasing a second self-titled album because he liked that social distortion had done that before. <laughs> and, and that's another Weezer connection, at least temporarily. <laughs> He's like having multiple self-titled albums is, is, is funny to him. So, I'm just glad they didn't re-release it as a fucking color. Right. They did not release it as a color. Still got your bowling trophies on on the yeah. cigarette machine or whatever, yeah. and which is I just think is a fantastic cover, by the way. It is. It is. Doesn't it seem like a very American thing too? It reminds like, me then. of Al Bundy. Like it totally reminds yeah. me of like Al Bundy's. <laughs> That's a great point. One thing you didn't mention is the fact that they're in DreamWorks, and obviously they're they're getting label pressure. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to, you know, meet in the middle here. No problem. Uh, the, the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, how much you want to bet the great DreamWorks guy said that in the meeting? Yeah. Oh, listen, guys. And, and then like, they okay, pause yeah. for a second. Yeah. <laughs> this guy knows the album. Okay. Yeah, we'll listen to him. But no, I mean. That's a good corporate suit. I, right I do believe what Jim said there, but also it's like the label's there to move units. And they were on DreamWorks. Right. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah, how are they're like the Ask Jeeves of uh, record labels, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's a label thing too. It's like yeah. whatever it takes, this is getting out there because this this album's got bangers. Yeah, well, and everybody was real sensitive. I mean, it, rightfully so. I mean, if you think about it, it you know, we had three thousand people missing. Of those people, I'm sure that they all had you know family members that were you know uh, affected. So you're you're talking almost fifty thousand people probably across the United States alone that just knew personally somebody that was affected by that, and then just the general sentiment sentiment for from the entire nation. So yeah, I, I definitely understand because I remember what I remember specifically was them changing the Spider-Man poster because the poster was him in between the two World yeah. Trade Centers and he had like the spider web and they uh, and they changed yeah. it right around that time because of that. And the itch has talked a lot in previous episodes about our general disdain for censorship. But I think in this case, it was a sensitivity issue and and one that I think is was probably the right move by and large. Now, if you look at like the yeah, yeah. the band songs lists and stuff, they probably went a little overboard on some of them. But I think I think this is a thing where like I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt for the heart being in the right place of like, you know, let's try let's let's try to be sensitive about this issue because this isn't a nationwide trauma that just happened. Like it's okay. If a few songs can't, you know, disappear from the radio for six months or however long that lasted. Yeah. Like, scary it, time, right? Just yeah, scary it was a time altogether. Super weird time. Yep. And all that said, it didn't, it didn't seem to affect the success of this album. Like we said before, it remains this band's biggest album, even coming out right in that time. 
like Bleed American and The Middle literally were released a few weeks after September 11th that those singles were. And so this this album is like a one of you could even consider it like one of those timestamp albums. Like it really like marked that time period of of the post 9-11 kind of stuff. There's a number of albums that probably fall into that category, but I don't know. Maybe maybe the upbeat uh, kind of sounds that they were delivering was what America needed at the time. I don't know. But there's just such great stuff on it. And the artwork is phenomenal. Like it's we we did an episode. Here's me plugging our podcast. So we did a album oh, artwork go. episode and this was one of my alternates for like favorite covers because it just I don't know. I don't know if it's just the fact that I associate the music with the visual, but it just fits so perfect. I'm actually mm-hmm. looking at it right now. It's just mm. it's perfect. I thought you were saving those one. Yeah, now we know. <laughs> oh, saving that for the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Ah. <laughs> he gave. I'm going to set out a press release. Audio slave re- <laughs> reveals a future episode. Shit, no one's going to care about that either. <laughs> I know. Blabbermouth Bl- reporting. Blabbermouth. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, but you're right though. I'm. I'm not going to lie. I've. I've. I've looked. I've owned before, and then had to throw away. And I've looked into a new Jimmy Eat World T-shirt. And one of the designs that I thought of was like, what if I just found a shirt that was that art like it doesn't even have to say the band name just give me like the trophies or something like it's mm-hmm. so recognizable and i love it so much that i'm like I, I think i would wear that band shirt like even if it was like unofficial you know <laughs> definitely like, it's and it's a very american image i think that it works for the title in a lot of ways too yeah so they they kudos to that we should we should do ourselves a, a, a an album art episode mm-hmm. our last episode that we just released we talked about some album art but mostly because it was horrifying and, and we couldn't identify what it was. That pop evil album. What the heck is going on on there? We had a couple of horrifying ones in our, in our album art uh, episode too. I mean, we, we were all over the map. We had some funny ones. We had some <laughs> scary looking ones. We had ones we love, ones that fit the music, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, I think, it, and Dan's talked a lot about, um, cause Dan being the CD collector of our group has talked a lot about appreciating liner notes and then not just the album cover art but even the inside stuff you get in booklets and things like that because there's so much effort that goes into those that goes unheralded especially as time marches on and you know spotify and and apple music are everything and you just don't even see those things i have no idea what almost any of the top 20 albums i've heard this year look like like the actual cd covers like the, the front of the album sure but the cd itself no idea well, I don't know what Pop Evil looks like because they wanted $22 for that CD. So no. <laughs> we addressed that. You know the internet has options for, for shopping, right? But... <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't find it cheaper than that, so I just got it digital. I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Speaking of which, here, I can, I can tie these things together, actually. I have, so so almost immediately, we said after 9-11, they changed, they changed this album, and it was, it was just said Jimmy World at the top. I was in high school at the time and I was senior in high school and, you know, feeling rebellious, even in the, in that sensitive time, I was like, I need the real thing. I need the one that says the real title on it. So uh, somewhere in one of my tubs around here, I do have, I believe still in the packaging that it was mailed to me in a CD of Jimmy world bleed American with that actual thing on there from like those like original pressings, like before, because in like 08 or 09, they put it, so they started releasing it back as it originally was. Yep. But there was a lot of years where it was not. And I was just that kind of weird purist that I was like, <laughs> I need my Jimmy World CD to be the one that says 
the official title. And so, so it exists. If anybody wants to buy that, anybody, you, you know, DM us. We're, my, we're my wife has one. My wife has one too. She doesn't know where it is, but she says, I've listened to this album a million times. I got it when it came out. I think she was a freshman in high school when it came out and we were, we were going into our junior year and, and she's like, I have it. It's the one with bleed American on. I'm like, well, we got to find it because I need that too. <laughs> like that needs yeah. to be <laughs> our collection. So that's right. The vinyl was much easier to find by the time I started collecting vinyl. Not a problem at all there. Buy it again for 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 20 or something. Did you guys graduate yeah, I, note too? I bought it in two, 2002. I had just gotten my car. My dad had given me a, his hand-me-down 1994 Nissan Sentra 5-speed. And I was like, I just put a CD player in it. And Sweetness came on the radio. And I was like, I'm going to my our local record store, Bulmos, and I'm buying this right now. <laughs> and it was like one of these like feelings of I can I remember pulling into the parking lot. I can see it clear as day today. One of those feelings of independence that I hadn't felt before. Like I'm gonna I want a CD. I'm gonna go to my favorite record store and buy it right now. I'm 17 years old. Let's do this. And uh, this this album always brings back that sweetness comes on. I'm always like yes, that's that's the reason. That's still got it for me. <laughs> that's awesome. And there was much less <laughs> skipping around back then. Like yeah. you had it in your CD player. Are you gonna let it rock? Are you gonna let it roll? probably through the end or now spotify it's like all right i'm done with that one next song (laughs) yeah 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 next artist (laughs) to me this is definitely a start to finish album because i think literally every track is worth is worth hearing it is a start to finish album that i will happily listen to through all the ebbs and flows and and the deep cuts i love if you don't don't get it faster authority song like i said like we said do you listen to the 50 plus uh second outro of your house um yeah just because it plays into sweetness and then then i can get excited that sweetness is coming next yeah it just slowly fades for like the longest time it's like what the the hell (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know if any of the rest of you guys have have actual like store like memory stories this was um jimmy world is an interesting and maybe this is why i have such a like i don't know emotional connection to them or whatever there was a period of years where every relationship i had somehow coincided with a Jimmy World album release <laughs> and particularly a song. And so in college, it was Bleed American. And uh, and the song was If You Don't, Don't, because there was a girl that I was like half-heartedly pursuing. Right. And I finally got around to actually making a move. And she was like, she was like, yes. And then like a week later, she was like, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> and and at the time I heard that song and it was um, if you don't know, why would you say so? Would you mean it, please, if it happens? And so I thought of myself as the victim. And I was like, I was like, yeah, she just messed around there. And like, and then in, in retrospect, as time went on, I was like, no, she lost interest because she couldn't trust whether I was truly interested in her or not. So she moved on. But there was this like personal, very deep personal connection to that. And then like a couple years later, like futures, I had connected to a relationship, chase this light I had connected. Um, I think I took a couple albums off and, <laughs> and a couple of years off of relationships. And then uh, I think Integrity Blues technically coincided with one, but I didn't at that point. The connection was gone. I didn't have like there wasn't an Integrity Blues <laughs> yeah. song that I attached to that person. But for a while, that's what me and Jimmy World were doing. They were the soundtrack to my disastrous relationships. <laughs> so you better be writing them. So maybe you can get another one. Well, I missed 2019. And so. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like guys when's your when's your next album coming out i need to decide if i want to like <laughs> like pursue somebody or not 
Like start, start working on that confidence. Work, that's right. They've given me 20 years to work on this and it still is, is a little bit of a mess. So I, yeah, I guess a personal connection for me. So uh, Jimmy world came through Portland with third eye blind, like two years ago. And my mom, who's almost 70, likes third eye blind. And she, and I was like, well, do you know Jimmy world? And she's like, no. So then I, when it was over her house, pulled up Spotify, played like the top five tracks and she's like, I know that, I know that, I know that. So it's like this band out of any band from their ilk, like they permeated through bigger than like we even recognize because we're in the yeah. thick of it. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy to me because like yeah. sweetness, middle, bleed American, praise chorus to some extent. And those are all on this album. It's just crazy. Yeah. And you just mentioned almost all of their top Spotify songs. And, and here you meet like five of the top six Spotify songs for this band are from this album. Yep. Yeah. Um, wow. Yep. With the exception, in case you're curious, being Pain from Futures. So good. <laughs> of the top 10, <laughs> all but one are either from <laughs> Bleed American or Futures. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so that's an interesting little note. So just in case anybody was forgetting how big Futures was as well. Um, and ha- and still has some staying power to it. It isn't just this album, but this is definitely the the benchmark for them. I had a comment just about. Yeah, I was just gonna uh, mention that, like this was on a major label, but the the previous two albums were also on majors. Like, how the fuck did that happen? You know what I mean? From that <laughs> punk demo, like I that self title is a demo in my eyes. Yeah, and and the band will agree with you. They're like, eh, it, it was a preview. The first two were on. Capital? Were they both on Capital? Capital Records. Capital for Static Prevails and Clarity. And Clarity is what made them like critical darlings and like indie yep. and emo darlings. And then this was what made them mainstream. Um, I don't know if darlings is still the word I want to use, but... That's the word I would have used. Yeah. Yep. Uh, real quick, how would you feel to be Mitch Porter? Uh, only on the self-titled album. He was the bass <laughs> yeah, guitarist yeah. <laughs> for, for self-titled 1994 album. <laughs> and then the rest of the band has been together for for the most part. Like I said, they had their last line of change in 99. But, yep. you know, they've been not doing a nine to five job. And I'm sure Mitch Porter is hating life for the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> He's Scott from Blink. He's Scott Rayner. Yeah. yeah. He's just yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a here related a little bit related to that. Something that I've, I think is very interesting about this band is that on those early albums, Tom Linton was the was the lead singer. Yeah. Um, and Bleed American was the first album where it was all Jim hmm. doing lead vocals. And ever since then, occasionally, there's, I know there's at least one song on Invented that Tom sings again. But but it's been all Jim and Tom just moved on to moved out of, you know, being the vocalist and into full on on guitar work. And that's an interesting thing. Like you occasionally hear that happen where a band will. But we just talked about, for example, we just talked about a Treyu last week. And they had two vocalists. One of them leaves. Another guy in the band assumes the duties. Right. This was like, they're both still in the band. It's just that one guy, they realized right. at some point that, hey, this dude's a better fit for this job to be the lead vocalist than the other guy is. And that's, I think that's fascinating. And they were right too, right? I mean. <laughs> yeah, it was, success, it was a successful move. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And Jim's vocals have come a long way. I mean, if you listen yeah. to Static Prevails and mm-hmm. even Clarity, the jump from that to bleed American is significant, but his voice has improved since then, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. I genuinely, genuinely think that this band ages well. 
Um, yes. Yeah, definitely. That's why they've had enough staying power. That's why I see that. I I mean, their newest album is called Surviving, and it really references what it's like to be a band that's been around for that long. And and even back in, I think it was in Chase This Light, with a big casino, or somewhere in, in one of those songs, he says there's still some living left when your prime comes and goes. Mm-hmm. And I think about that line a lot when I'm listening to this band. Because like we've mentioned a thousand times here just now, like this album was their pinnacle. They were on top of the world where they were huge at that time. And anytime you reach that level, like you can't, there's so precious few bands that sustain that level of, of cultural popularity, mm-hmm. but to be able to still sustain a following and to have at least really any degree of critical success after that. And I think that this band has done both of those things. They may not, now they're more stars just because of their longevity and the fact that they haven't turned completely trash or faded away. <laughs> they write great songs too. I mean, and there's no departure album, you know, mm-hmm. there's no like big departure album either. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, they're very true to their general sound. They'll, they'll play around with some different things here and there or different writing structures like invented. What was a very interesting um, method that Jim had for, for writing songs, but their sound always largely remains true true from album to album but but they're so good at it that in my opinion it doesn't it doesn't get old it never feels like this is just a retread either i wouldn't even say that about damage as much as i mentioned not liking that album i don't think that i just think that there's something about that that one that didn't hit right um Mm. I, i can't i still can't pinpoint what it is i just don't don't enjoy it but literally every other album i can I can largely go start to finish or at least at least a good two thirds of the album. I'll say I enjoy, which especially at this far into your career, that's a high percentage. There's so many bands I've heard that we're eight, eight or nine albums in and there's like a track or two that's worth hearing. And the rest of it, I can totally do without. And Jimmy World's success rate for me is way above that. Yeah. You just said something, too. And it's that they have their own sound, which is interesting. That's a hard thing to pull off. So when you hear a Jimmy World song, even just the instrumental, like, oh, that's a, that's a Jimmy World song. That's a Jimmy, Jimmy World riff, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that bands can still pull it off. This, you know, this, I mean, everything's been done at this point, I feel like, but, you know, yeah. they have their own sound, which is really interesting. If you do it well enough, I think you move into sort of this, like, like Godfather, t- like territory where like now the <laughs> next generation of bands coming out, they love you because they grew up on you and yeah. they have stuff in their music that sounds a lot like yours. And so you just become like revered by the, by the next generation of musicians. And I think that they have hit that point with a lot of bands too. There's some newer bands. Like I know they released a song during the quarantine with Bethany from best coast, which is a newer band that is on the rise, I would say. And so you have these collaborations between like a band that's only like half a dozen years old and a band that's 25 plus years old. Mm -hmm. And, and you got to know that both of those artists are really like loving doing that together. So yeah, Tony, you made an observation about "Pass the Baby" on uh, yeah. Integrity oh. Blues. Oh man! So uh, first time I ever saw Jimmy World was for the Integrity Blues touring cycle with Tuan. Uh, they came to a small-ish venue here in Portland, and uh, they played that song, and it fucking brought the house down. I thought the breakdown at the four-minute mark sounded like a Rage Against the Machine concert. I was like, this is, this is awesome. Like it just, they, they were just at the peak of their power still then uh, seeing them, you know, obviously only a handful of years ago now uh, for a band that's been kicking around for the better part of 30 years, they were still just awesome on stage, built this huge, just like energy just towards that breakdown. And then when the breakdown kicked in, I, I looked at Anthony, I was like, man, 
this is fucking awesome. <laughs> like, I just was, I couldn't contain myself. Like, this is so cool. Well, and the stage had uh, street lights. They had street lights mm-hmm. on each side. They they had actual uh, kind of stage uh, decor and whatnot, which was kind of cool. Which actually didn't really fit the album, did it? No, it uh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> Sometimes you get the wrong person on aesthetics. And <laughs> no, I appreciate that story. That actually, oh, it was so cool. It was so cool. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because. As we, we talked about, we're talking about 20 years of Bleed American, but we're also in 2021 celebrating five years, if you celebrate five anniversaries of albums, I do if they're good, um, of Integrity Blues, which I, yeah. I think was an underrated album and a very good comeback after after Damage being kind of a letdown. Yeah, that album's just great. Yeah. It's very polished, though, and I hadn't noticed it until listening to it today. I was like, and my, my wife was like, this is a little more polished than, than Bleed America. I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, but it was, it's still just, you know, really, really well done pop rock songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> High quality stuff. Yeah. So I guess happy anniversary and thank you to Jimmy World for good albums. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, real quick. So funny little fact that I just found, and this is exactly what we were talking about earlier. Um <laughs> <laughs> about the album you were just talking about integrity blues. So one of the reasons why they got a little bit more success around that time was because in 2016, Apple debuted an ad to promote Apple music, which featured Taylor Swift lip syncing and dancing to Jimmy world's the middle, which caused significant renewed interest in the band. Their song, the middle rose to number 32 on iTunes, top chart, top songs chart while Pandora noted a 325% increase and Jimmy World Station ads in the first day wow. after the ad premiered. Wow. That's crazy. So just an interesting little fact that Taylor Swift Taylor helped Swift out need. Jimmy World right there. <laughs> moves, moves mountains as she does. She's crazy. Yep. You just you just need Taylor's just, you know, seal of approval and you're you're back. That's Anybody all we can need. Make comeback. That's what we need. <laughs> but that does go to to kind of prove our point earlier of the, you know, the pop music pop rock or you know was kind of dead and it just goes to show that any pop artist can make you know something successful nowadays just by oh promoting it or saying whatever or covering it or whatever yeah lip syncing mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. you got branding you got the, the they call it the you know the influencer culture and whatnot and mm-hmm. that's where you know taylor swift one of the biggest artists in the entire world it gives you that huge that huge bump to this to these guys and i'm glad that she could help put them back a little bit more on on the on the map again. Not that they were suffering or anything, but it's a bit. This is just a band that I love so much that any any level of success is just fine with me. Like mm-hmm. keep it going, keep them going higher and higher if they can. Some bands have had some pretty pretty great second lives in the in the pop world. So for sure, yeah. So happy anniversary to Jimmy Eat World and his their classic Bleed American album. We're excited to have that. Excited to talk about it and excited to have Patio Slave with us which by the way can i just note how much i appreciate you guys' show name <laughs> nice thanks i was thinking about that the other day when i was listening i was like that's a that's a good name they <laughs> they nailed that <laughs> yeah tone coined that one after yeah. much thought we were all like i have no idea man tone came up and said potty of slave we're like ooh, just like just like an actual band it's like ooh, that's the one man that's yeah, the yeah. One. <laughs> you, you got it you guys that's nailed it yeah, yeah that's, no one's gonna that's have how it, it. Yeah, no one else is gonna have that you know yeah and no one mistakes your name for a medical condition or anything like like ours. So we struggle with branding. <laughs> but we're happy to have you guys on. 
Um, thank you. And we know, like I said, we've been talking about doing this for a while and I think it worked out great. Even with six guys talking at the same time, um, yeah. it managed, managed to work. So kudos to us on, on apparent growth as hosts collectively, all of us that <laughs> we could pull this off. Uh, we still got to do that wheel of new metal episode. We do. Yeah. Yes. I'm <laughs> still, I'm, I still have that one out there. Anytime you guys want to do that one, I'll, we're in. We'll, we'll bring you guys on and do that one. I mean, we, that's something that I think would be fun to do. And, and Nate loves the wheel. I mean, he brings it up every episode. Uh, yeah. So is any, 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 any chance to bring the wheel back up? That's how he makes <laughs> life decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so a little, little further insight here. The initial idea that we had whenever I whenever I started interacting with Patio Slave was they had an episode called The Wheel of New Metal, where they spun a wheel of new metal bands and discussed whichever one it landed on and then created a Mount Rushmore of their own. And I thought that was a great idea also because there's still like half of the, no, the quote notable new metal bands still uncovered. So I was like, dude, we could do a sequel episode with them for this and it would be a lot of fun because new metal is a topic that comes up fairly regularly on on our shows, on both of our shows. Mm-hmm. And so it, we're like, this is right for the picking. And so it still remains right for the picking. We may get to it someday. Yeah, look look for that one in the near future. I'm sure we can find a time to make that work. Sounds good. So in the meantime, where can uh, where can listeners find you guys? We're everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, <laughs> You're omnipresent? Yeah, Literally. That is the joke, though. Like, if you, if you Google us, no. you should find everything, right? <laughs> That's true. So I think it might have been your podcast where someone mentioned were everywhere except Pandora. And I think that might be the, the case with us. Yeah. Right. Are we on Pandora? Yeah. I think we're everywhere, but Pandora. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. But yeah, just search Patio Slave. We're the only one out there. You can't, uh, <laughs> although you can't miss Audio Slave might come up, but you listen to them too. Why not? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will. We will. At, we will. Patio Slave on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Uh, we have a YouTube page, which is the Patio Slave podcast. We have where I, I, I throw some visuals in depending on, what we talked about that week and uh yeah podios www.podioslave.com for all the links to all that stuff so yeah check it out there yeah these guys are very good at that like supplemental content on those social media channels in between episodes and following up on episodes and further expanding on them it's it's quality work and so we highly encourage y'all to listen to them thank you thank you yeah that's mm-hmm. awesome for as much as we always joke about how we don't want people to listen to other shows, we're all the time talking about other shows people should listen to. <laughs> so we're very, we send very mixed signals because we actually do love when people listen to other shows that we like. And so, as long as they're listening to us first. Dan, Dan just wants to be first in line is all. That's right. Just download us really. Like, come on. That's all, we want to show the numbers out though. So. Right, That's right. right. You don't even, you don't have to listen. Just, just click the download button and, yeah. and download all and subscribe. And then you can go about your life. It's fine. Yep. No, <laughs> yep. but exactly. as I said, like, I think, I think our shows are very complimentary. And so I think there's a, there's a good pairing there. And so, like I said, super glad to have you guys on. Thank you very much for, for joining us. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having no, us. Thank man. you guys for, for hosting. This was a lot of fun. And I think it's probably the perfect album for the six of us, except for, for Dan. Sorry, yeah. Dan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but we'll let Dan pick the season premiere. Although I did actually already send him an idea, but it is one I know he loves. So, you know, I'm getting used to these guests, uh, guests, um, oh God, I can't remember. Guest hosts say, but, or guest yeah, appearances. Well, guest spots talking Swaps. about stuff that I don't care about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that makes Dan's, uh, episode easier. Hey, yeah. That's less talking for me. I appreciate all your guys' hard work. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll look up stuff on, on Wikipedia. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. We always talk about how the itch is a democracy. And so sometimes it's like a two to one. 
kind of favor on whether we should do an episode or not. <laughs> so <laughs> I just go with the flow a lot of the times, but uh, thank you very much for, for coming onto our show and talking 20 years of bleed American. Thank you very much to Jimmy world for making me feel old. Uh, <laughs> 20 years of this album. I, I really have no idea that it's been that long, but thank you very much for listening. And obviously all the social media stuff will come up later. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. I'm Aaron. I'm Anthony. I'm Nate. I'm Tony. And you've been listening to the Itch Podcast. And until next time, rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail and itchrocks.com. All at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Yeah. If you guys want to record some random extra names, Dennis, you're welcome. You're welcome to. We usually do our outro. We'll say, you know, you're listening to the itch, and and then we'll do our names. If we have all three, you do yours. It'll be like the longest. Yeah, these six dudes doing their names. Do the longest outro we've done. It'll be just kind of silly. And just repeat it with different names. Just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get like 14 people. People listening just be like, I feel like at this point these dudes are just listening, listing names. That's actually not a terrible idea. I kind of like that. Todd. Like go a, through a second round. Kyle. Yeah. That'll be a 10 minute shortcut of us just coming up with names. It's the Shibuya roll call of yeah. podcast hosts. My name's Jeff with a G. <laughs> Joffrey. I'm I like Jeff with a G because he didn't add the O. It's literally just G-E-F-F, which right. is like the, the most that's, obnoxious version that I can think of. That's Geff. That's not it's Jeff. It's Geff. That's Geff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Da 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 Oh my god, that's funny as latest music. <laughs> oh dare they.